You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Hello there and welcome back to The Crossroad Podcast. This is episode 10 of season three. We are approaching the landing zone, getting towards the end of our third season, How to Build Effective Organizational Culture. And today's episode is called Fervent Clarity. And this episode is all about effective communication. And there is perhaps nothing that is more important when it comes to building an effective culture than communication. In a certain way, you could say that communication is all we've been talking about all along. It's how do we share these ideas? How do we come to a consensus? How do we unify even if we might disagree? How do we have difficult conversations? How do we name the truth? How do we establish there a vision and pursue it together? For all of those things, all of those are elements of communication. It is the vital piece of this whole puzzle. It's the DNA of effective culture. Communication is a powerful entity. We've talked before about how character development is basically cultural development within an individual person. And cultural development is just the way we talk about it within organizations. But if you think about it in an individual, we communicate with ourselves. Our brain tells our hand what to do when we need to pick something up. Our brain tells our feet when to move and our mouths what to say. And it's all a process of communication. It's all this organism that's working together. And so when we get outside of our individual selves and work into community, it's just another manifestation of that, of communicating the there, here path within an organization. And so really the way that we effectively communicate is going to be the linchpin for the kind of culture, the kind of organization that we developed. Without communication, we're all these isolated entities. We, you know, think of a a big office building where everyone has their own office or their own cubicle. If we stay just within that area, uh, then we are going to be isolated. And what's going to happen is we're going to each kind of pursue things based on what makes sense to us, the kinds of things that we want, the kinds of things that we value. And so if there's not a mechanism like a computer to, to communicate between all of those entities, between all of those persons, all of those offices, then really you're not an organization. You're just a bunch of individuals. And unfortunately, even if, uh, you know, you do walk between cubicles or if you're at home, even though you do talk to one another, a lot of marriages and a lot of businesses are falling apart because there's not adequate communication happening. There's not uh, real interaction between two people. We are in a real psychological sense bunkered down within our specific uh, cubicle. Communication is how we share. We talk so much about how the power of an effective organization is a shared vision is pursuing that together. Well, we can't share without communicating. Communicating is essential to sharing our vision. It's essential to clarifying our here. And without it, we all end up planted within our own assumptions, our own biases, our own emotions, etc. cetera. Uh, and so we need communication to, um, to discover truth more deeply, to participate in a shared vision. We, we can only participate in a singular autonomous vision unless if we're not sharing, if we're not communicating with the people who are in our organization. So all of this 
this to say when it comes to developing a culture, we've got to really be intentional about communication. One of the things I think is really interesting and harmful about communication is that we're all communicating every day in thousands of ways and thousands of interactions. And it's that mere volume of communication that makes us think that we're doing it well. We are, in a lot of ways, quantitatively communicative, but not qualitatively. We are throwing all kinds of communication out there, and we assume that people are receiving it, or that we're receiving it, uh, in adequate measure. We can't escape communication. It's, like I said, a natural part of what's going on within our own bodies, and a natural part of the way that we relate to other people. But just because it's happening doesn't mean it's happening well. So in this episode, we want to talk about how to communicate clearly. So we've decided to title this episode Fervent Clarity because in your organization, when you're building and developing culture, what we want to do is make sure we're not just assuming clarity. We're not assuming the efficacy of communication because all of us, again, are operating out of uh, certain biases, certain assumptions. The reality is this. Truth is a communal effort. It's too big for any one of us to hold by ourselves. Even if you're right about something, that doesn't mean you have a monopoly on the truth because there can be multiple angles that are right about something. There can be uh, emotions that are right and can help usher us towards a blind spot even when we might be correct about the thing that we're honing in on. A lot of times I think we zero in on a truth that we perceive and sometimes even if it's accurate, we can do that to the harm of a greater truth that's available to us. Us. That's the real value of relationship, the real value of community, the real value of being a human and being able to cooperate and work together. It's one of the reasons that we achieve such great heights as human beings. We are able to communicate effectively. We're able to share. We're able to synergize ideas and techniques and all sorts of things uh, to become really greater than the sum of our parts and certainly greater than each individual is capable of by themselves. And so again, if you think of big office building with a bunch of offices, and each individual is living in an office, communication is is the hallways. It's the things that connects all of us. It's uh, the arteries that run through your body. It's the real DNA of an organization. And so we've got to get out of our own space and into the space of others in order to communicate and to collaborate. Just today, I sent an email at the college uh, to some of my coworkers and I said, hey, I'm going to send this email out tomorrow morning to a bunch of students. Could you look it over and just give me some some feedback? Let me know what you think. And I got a couple things that were just glaring mistakes that I hadn't seen that my coworkers saw immediately and let me know about. And the email that I send, the communication that I send tomorrow to students is going to be better because of the collaboration with my team beforehand, because of the intention and the seeking of clarity that I adopted today. Because of, you know, metaphorically, I got up, walked down the hallway, checked with other members of my team, other members of my organization to try to make sure that these arteries weren't clogged, that there wasn't a mess up in the system. And that serves our team well, that serves our students well, it serves our community at large well. So what we want to talk about again is how do we do this effectively? How do we make the most out of communication? Because it's so powerful. It's happening around us in, in so many different ways, and it's there's so much lost potential every single day that we miss out on because we're not communicating well. So let's start with a couple of 
just challenges of communication. And I've hinted at one already a couple of times. And that is that we always assume that people communicate the way that we do. We assume that people are hearing what we're trying to say. And we also assume that we're, that someone is saying what we happen to be hearing. And and the the reality is that communication is a lot more complicated than that. It is not just a uh, a math problem where you can clearly see the numbers. There's there's certainly human emotion involved. Uh, There's also just biases. Sometimes I'll say something to Kylie and she'll be like, she'll get upset. I'm like, what are you upset about? And she's like, well, I feel like you're telling me that I'm stupid. And I'm like, I have no idea where you got that. I'm literally not saying that. And she says, well, yeah, but that's what I'm hearing. And there's a lot of reasons that she might be hearing that. Um, She might be hearing it because of the way that her family communicates and the way that she learned communication growing up and some of the assumptions and turbochargers that come with that. She also might be hearing that because I might be communicating that not on purpose. I might be actually thinking that and I might actually be saying that even though I've uh, put up a block of self-deception to keep myself from being aware that that kind of is what I'm saying. Uh, And so all of these things make communication a real challenge. We, We have these assumptions, we have these biases, we have these starting points that we're all starting from, and they're not all the same place. Another thing that's real challenging about communication is uh, that, again, it's more complicated than we think. What I mean this time is we are not always saying what we're saying. You've probably heard the kind of famous idea that only 7% of what we communicate is verbal. And you may have heard at the very least that most of what we communicate is nonverbal. So if you think about this reality, 7% of, of what we say is is communication. So if I'm standing next to you, facing you, having a conversation, only 7% of what I'm communicating and 7% of what you're processing is verbal. The other 93% is nonverbal and the nonverbal component isn't just body language. Body language makes up about half of communication, like 55%. And then tone of voice makes up about 38%. Uh, And then the other seven is verbal. Uh, And so it's complicated. A lot of times you're communicating with your words and you're very concentrated on your words, but you're very unaware of the body language or you're very unaware of the tone and you're certainly unaware of what those things might, how those things might be landing in terms of the other person. The other challenge for communication is even if we are doing it well and even if we are well aware of these complexities, we're all very different people. We have different value systems. And so one person might be talking about harmony and they might be talking about it in a way that's really positive because they value harmony, which isn't a bad thing. And then you might have somebody else that values like truth and justice. And and they kind of think that, that, you know, their value system sort of runs that harmony is the the opposite of that, which isn't necessarily the case, but that might be how they think about that. That might be how their brain sort of structures the the world, the the perspective that they have about how the world works. And and so they're going to hear anything that you say about harmony as a negative, whether it is or not. Um, Again, this goes into past experiences and different types of stuff. If I had a old youth pastor who always used to misuse or misinterpret a certain phrase, then if someone at work uses that phrase, even if they're using it very appropriately or very helpfully, I'm probably going to have a response to it that uh, the the person trying to communicate is very unaware of. What we need to do first and foremost is recognize these challenges. We need to acknowledge the power and the opportunity of communication 
And we also need to recognize that it's difficult. I think when people are faced with the power of communication, a lot of times they think, yeah, it's really great. But then when when they're faced with the challenges of it, some of our posturing can be like, well, what are you going to do? People are going to misread. People are going to, you can't just be aware of all of the things at once. And it's impossible to know if I'm saying something that is a phrase that's going to trigger some, some memory that someone has from a long time ago that has nothing to do with me and honestly nothing to do with the message that I'm trying to communicate. It's just too complicated. The best thing to do is just do your best and go about it. There might be some element of, of truth to that, but I think that the extremity of that perspective, of that posture is that we just allow a lot of effective communication to go away. Uh, We can't ever be aware and we certainly can't control all of the complexities of communication. But if we want to build an effective culture, if we want to have a healthy organization, we are going to have to do the hard work of being mindful of these things. Because if we're not mindful of them, we're going to do them poorly. If we're not intentional about how we communicate and how we think about communication, we are going to assume too much. We are going to talk past one another. We are going to say things with our body and with our tone of voice that we may not be aware of. I think one of the great truths about communication is we judge other people based on what they say and we judge ourselves based on our intent. And so we have these kind of double standards when we're talking about communication. And just knowing that and being aware of that helps me to slow down and to say like, okay, I feel like I am feeling a certain way about what this person just said, but like, let's assume a good intention and and go from there. Just treat them the way that I would treat myself. I always assume the best intentions. Whenever there's a mistake uh, in terms of communication uh, for me, I always say like, well, that's not what I meant to say, right? But I have a lot less grace for when other people are coming from the same spot. So all of this to say, an awareness of these realities is helpful and even necessary to build a culture. Your organization consists of participants who are going to be communicating to each other all day, every day. And so the better we can do that, the the better we can unclog those arteries, the more effective our organization is going to be. And that's a real cultural shift. It takes a real cultural intention to say, this is how we're going to approach communication. A quick example of how this works in an organization is, you know, how candid are you with information? Who gets to know what? Are you part of an organization that's a little cagey about details because they want to control the, the narrative even internally? What does that communicate to the people who aren't included in those messaging? You know, there is a, an avenue that, that says we just don't trust you. But there's also a way where you can come alongside and say, look, it's not that we don't trust you and that we're not trying to share this information with everybody. It's just that, you know, X, Y, or C, the X could be that this information changes rapidly. And so we don't want to say things that we're going to have to come back on and we don't want people to run in a certain direction until we have a real clarity. You can you can say that to, to be clear about why information is maybe being delayed or, or withheld. But the key here is that within an organization, the way that you communicate and the way that you treat communication has an effect on the culture. It has an effect on the amount of trust that people feel is granted to them and the amount of trust they have for the people around them. So how do we effectively communicate? How do we clarify our messaging? The things we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode are just like their hair path. They're going to seem obvious in certain ways. And the reason for that, again, is because you communicate all the time. But what we want to do is 
in this episode is to really slow down all of the assumptions that you make about how good you are at communicating. And we want to just get to the basic building blocks. For me, I have conversations about communication. I have conversations about their hair path all the time. And for me, their hair path, the real beauty of it is it's just the clear atoms of how life works. It's just a framework for existence, for the reality that we live in. And we can get so caught up in the minutia of that reality that we forget just the basic framework. We forget the the design, the plan. And if we can be reminded of it, it can help us to get back on track. So the same thing is true here for communication. These are very simple, straightforward elements of what it means to communicate. But as we've already mentioned, living this out is more complicated than it sounds like. And so in that complexity, being reminded of these simple realities is a helpful way to go forward. And within an organization, within a culture, it's a helpful way to set a framework, to set a mental model, to remind all of your participants, this is how we want to communicate and these are the things we need to be mindful of when we're communicating. So effective communication starts first and foremost with the sender. There's four elements we're gonna be going through. Number one is the sender. So the sender, you know, quite obviously is the person who has a message to share. When you're in a meeting, the person who speaks first is gonna be the sender. They're the one that somewhere inside their brain says like, all right, I have a message that needs to get across to other people. I have a message that needs to travel through the arteries and get to other parts of the body. So if if you're the sender, here's what you need. You need clarity. You need to know what you're going to say. Have you ever been in this situation where you're just like talking for a little while and you kind of start trailing off and you you maybe start to sense it and then you try to save it and then you stop and you just say to your friend or whatever, I I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm talking about. This kind of thing happens all the time. We don't always get to that last spot. I'm not saying that you need to know perfectly exactly what you're trying to communicate. But what I'm saying is you need to have a vision for your message. You need to have a certain amount of clarity in order for your message to be effective. And maybe what I'm saying is this, is it's a spectrum. So the more clear you are about your message, the greater chance that the person receiving the message is going to be clear about that message. And so the sender needs to be clear. And the best thing that you can do in an organization is to be clear with your message and how it relates to your vision. Again, in an organization, everything is about the shared vision. And so if we communicate around that vision, it gives a sense of uh, tethering. It gives a sense of clarity that really helps to provide a framework uh, and a consistency in all that we say and do. So the sender needs this internal clarification. The sender needs to be able to, to know a little bit about what they're trying to communicate, what they're trying to say. And we go through this in our marriage a lot where, you know, my feelings are hurt and I'm just like, you know, I might yell at Kylie or raise my voice. And one of the reasons that that becomes a clogged artery is because I'm not actually trying to express that I'm angry at Kylie or, or that I, uh, or whatever it is that I, whatever, like, let's pretend I'm squeezing the toothpaste from the wrong end. It has nothing to do with that. That's a circumstantial thing. I need a clarity to be able to say like, what you did hurt my feelings. And so maybe I'm yelling about the toothpaste just to try to hurt your feelings or I'm trying to deflect you. So a greater sense of self-awareness of message awareness uh, is key. And, and that's the beginning of communication. If 
you know, again, on that spectrum of clarity. So where the sender starts on that spectrum of clarity really sets the stage for the overall efficacy of the message. The next thing is the sender has to consider the barriers to communication. So I've got this message and I'm relatively clear about what it is. Now what I need to do is consider what are the potential hangups, what are the potential obstacles that this message is going to encounter as it travels away from me and into the other person that I'm trying to communicate with. There are a lot of differences in the way that we say things and a lot of differences in the way that we hear things. Your your backgrounds, your diverse backgrounds is a barrier. The mysteries that you don't even know that this person is bringing into the conversation is a barrier. And again, you're never going to be like perfectly aware of all of the different barriers, let alone have a route to get around them all perfectly. But a certain amount of awareness of this is is necessary and is helpful. And so much so that it's worth taking a beat, taking a pause and considering what are the barriers that I'm aware of? What are the barriers that I know? So if you're in a meeting with somebody and you want to talk about an idea, but you know that that idea is kind of like counter to the idea that they expressed in a meeting last week, you know that that could be a potential obstacle. That could be a a potential difficulty. If you know that somebody just doesn't like the general direction of what your idea might suggest, then you know that that's a barrier. That's, That's it. It's not something that you need to freak out about. It's just something that you need to be aware of. And so the sender has this message. They're considering these barriers. Next, the third piece is what is the best medium for the message? So a lot of times the medium takes care of itself if you're just in a conversation, but there are times even in a conversation where if things are getting heated or just not going well, where you might say like, hey, let's uh, let's take a, a day and come back to this later, or let's take a day and do a couple of email exchanges, or you know, let's take a minute and I'd love for you to write out your thoughts of this in an email and we can start to converse that way and and then meet up in a week and and see where we are. Um, So there's all sorts of mediums. I mentioned face-to-face, which is usually the most effective way to communicate because all of these things like body language and tone of voice that make up the majority of communication don't happen in some of the other mediums. And so other mediums are text and phone calls and, uh, you know, notes wadded up on paper that you throw at somebody in class. Like there's all sorts of mediums for how we communicate. What the sender needs to do, considering the barriers and considering you know the content of the message, is what's the best medium? What gives me the best chance of getting this community getting this message across with fervent clarity? The last part, part number four, is the receiver. Uh, so so far we've been talking mostly about we've been talking solely about the sender, about the person who constructs the message. But the person who gets the message has just as active a role as the sender. I'm going to say that again. The person who gets the message has just as active a role as the sender does. So the receiver likewise needs to consider the barriers that might be between them and the sender. They need to consider the medium. They need to be postured to receive the message. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the last part of, of our episode. But you know, one of the reasons that social media has become 
so problematic in so many different ways is because both sender and receiver, they don't leave, you know, they, they certainly don't have body language. They so, certainly don't have tone, but they don't even have verbal. So there's this kind of strange, very small percentage of one's self or at one's idea that is put across and that can be, you know, interpreted and attacked or supported by by the receiver. And so the receiver's got to think like, okay, have you ever gotten a text from somebody and you look at it and you're like, uh, why are they so angry at me? And then you stop and realize like, well, this is text. Like maybe I'm reading something into this. Maybe I'm I'm hearing a tone of voice that isn't there in the text. Maybe I'm hearing something that isn't actually being communicated. So the receiver needs to be aware of the realities of the barriers and the limitations of different mediums that might come across. So in order for effective communication to happen, you need these four elements, the sender, uh, an awareness of barriers, a decision about medium, and the receiver. And all of those things are are playing an active role every minute of, of a communication. And what is really, what, what the reason the communication gets so complex is because this turns on itself really quickly. It expands and expounds. And so if Kylie and I are having a conversation, I might be the sender, uh, and then a millisecond later, uh, I might be the receiver. And then it might come back to me to be the sender, and I might be trying to clarify my previous message, or I might have a new one. And now Kylie has to discern and figure out whether, whether I'm doing that. She also has to figure out whether or not she thinks I heard what she was sending. And then, you know, in an hour, this can get really complicated. And that's just between two people who love each other and know each other well. When you're in a meeting, it can get exponentially complicated. But the reality is these are the parts of communication. These are the elements of what it takes to communicate well. And because, again, it can be exponential and it can be so complicated, one of the best things that we can do is slow down. One of the best things we can do is clarify. Uh, take a moment to clarify one message before you jump to the next one. And take a moment to make sure that everybody is hearing things in the context of the shared vision and shared values of, of the organization. So when we, when we talk to student leaders, when we talk to organizations and companies around the world, we talk about effective communication. And we say to them, like, you should train people in this. You should talk about this. You should sit down. And, and and set up some expectations about these four elements of effective communication and how those are going to play out within your company. One of the things that the oil company Crown Quest that, that helped start Kylie and I along with these servant leadership tools, one of the things that they do is they just put the like mission statement and the, the company values on a slide at the beginning of every meeting. It doesn't matter if it's like a board meeting or if it's a meeting of you know, the building maintenance crew, or if it's something about budgeting and finance, like it doesn't matter what it is, they put the vision up there. And what that means, it's it's clarifying, right? It is a way to say this, remember, this is who we are, this is what we're about. And they don't just put it up there, whoever does the meeting, presumably, says, all right, we're talking about budget today. Again, this is our mission statement. And this is how budgeting connects to our mission statement. Uh, and so that, that, can, that can be really helpful. The last thing I want to talk about the last couple minutes here is I want to go back to the receiver and how active a role the receiver plays in the messaging. When Kylie and I were on the world race, we traveled around the world 
world doing mission stuff for a year. And one of the things that, that we did is we would fast and pray, right? We would not eat and, and we would spend time in prayer. And one of the things that we really started to think about was what are some different ways that, that you can fast? It, it doesn't have to just be food. I mean, the, the idea of fasting is to kind of lay aside something essential, something important, something that you need in order to focus more fervently, more clearly, more intentionally on God and maybe what he has to say to you or just the reality of, of who he is. And so we were thinking, well, like, what are some other ways that, that we can do that? Um, and so we thought of, of several different ones and, and we did several different ones. The hardest one that I did was fasting from asking questions. That was weirdly difficult. But the, the second one and, and not unrelated that was that was difficult was just fasting from speaking. So we spent, I spent 24 hours just not talking. And whenever we had something to do, if, if there happened to be like, you know, some stranger or, uh, you know, somebody like a waiter at a restaurant or, or something where I, I really needed to say something, then one of my teammates would explain that I, you know, wasn't talking or couldn't talking. And, um, you know, we picked a day where we tried to minimize that reality, but it was difficult to not speak for 24 hours. Just think about that. Think about what would it look like tomorrow if you went to work and you just didn't say anything all day long. You didn't say anything to uh, anybody, you know, in the offices around you. You didn't say anything in the meetings you were in. You didn't talk to your friends. You didn't talk to your spouse. You just were quiet all day long. It was difficult and it was really interesting. And the reason it was difficult is because there would be times when people would be talking and they would be asking something like, oh, well, what's that one verse that talks about X, Y, or Z? Or they would be like, does anybody remember like who won the NBA championship in 1994? Uh, and everyone would just be like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really remember. I was, I was pretty young then. There'd be things like this that I know the answers to. And I would be just dying to express it. I wanted to say it. And I think that that's a very human thing. We want Want to be heard. We want to share the truth that's within us. We want to share the knowledge and the wisdom that we've gained. We want to share our perspective. We want to influence our organization. We want to impact the world that is around us. And in this complexity of communication, we so often feel like we're not being heard that people aren't listening to us, that people are looking past us. And so we fight. You do that at work, probably. You probably go into meetings and there are times when you feel like, I want to say this thing, and then you say it and it kind of gets glossed over and you feel, it hurts your feelings. You feel upset about it and you maybe talk to your boss. You maybe um, you have an emotional response to it. Um, we, we so desperately want to be heard. But unfortunately, and this is the real value of fasting for a day, unfortunately, I do not pursue hearing as fervently as I pursue wanting to be heard. I don't care as much about listening to other people as I do about getting my own point across. There's this great comedian, Brian Regan, who has a few different kinds of skits about this, but one of the things that he acknowledges is that we, we sometimes stop listening when we know what we're going to say next. And we start to get really impatient and even annoyed and frustrated when the other person keeps talking and, and there's no opening for us to say what we're ready to say. And so a for a lot of us, for most of us, maybe for all of us, communication so often boils down to me waiting as short as I can to figure out what I want to say next and then dying to say that, desperately wanting to express that thought as soon as possible. And as soon as I have that thought, 
I shut off to everything except for a moment to get that point across, to be heard, to wedge myself into the opening, and to make sure that people are paying attention to me and to my voice. And I'm not saying that this is a a bad thing. I mean, it's obviously a bad thing if it's taken to extreme. And I think that our natural inclination is, again, to fight for being heard, more than we fight for hearing other people. And the truth is we need to hear other people and not just for their sake, but for ours as well. Uh, We need to be learners. We need to be humble. We need to understand that we never have a monopoly on the truth. And we need to get out of the idea that we constantly have to validate ourselves by expressing every little bit of knowledge that we have. That there can be some extreme value to not only our communities and our organizations, but to us when we are deferential, when we give credit to other people, when we hear and elevate their other ideas, when we aren't so hyper-focused on trying to validate ourselves. And so the receiver has to lay aside all of that and really listen, really hear what the other person is trying to say. And in order to really listen, you need three elements. You need focus, curiosity, and humility. Humility is the ability to lay aside that part of you that is just like so desperate to be heard that that you are blinded by it and, and there's nothing else in the world that matters. You need to understand that being heard doesn't mean you have to stop hearing others and that you can do both at the same time. They're not only not mutually exclusive, they work best when they're mutually inclusive. And so have the humility to really listen for what this person might be trying to say to you and have a curiosity. Everybody uh, has elements of wisdom, has elements of beauty, of joy inside of them. What is it that this person is trying to express? It, It might be beautiful. It might be wise. It might be wonderful. It very likely is coming from a place of beauty, even if it gets caught up along the way, or even if they're not sure, or, or even if they're perverting the beauty within them, it is coming from a beautiful person, a beautiful place. And so be curious about that. Be curious about what they're really trying to say, even if they're not aware of it themselves. And then, you know, those two things will help lead to to focus, to this ability to really make sure that you're carefully considering what this person is trying to communicate. And there's, you know, a couple of different things you can do to help with focus. One is, you know, we call it active listening. It's not like we invented it, but active Active listening is where Kylie might say something to me and I'm I'm listening to her, I'm receiving the message and, and I might say like, okay, this is what I hear you saying. Let me know if that's right. And so I express it back to her. I'm, you know, sort of actively listening and she can say like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That feedback, that kind of, you know, back and forth helps with clarity. It helps to make sure that, that we're on the same page, that the message is being heard and understood in as unifying a way as as possible. Uh, A friend of ours also talks about observational listening. And so what he does is anytime someone's trying to talk to him about a message, he basically like tries to make this like movie in his head or like a comic strip, right? Where... Uh, there's a story because so much of the way we internalize things is through story. Um, and that makes it interesting and, and curious, right? He's following along with, with each element of the story. Then he's like, oh my gosh, all right, what happens next, right? So Because he's trying to fill in his comic strip. And and, and then he can, he can communicate back. He can become the sender and send back the message that he just received and say, does that sound like the, the heart of what you're trying to talk about? Active listening, observational listening, just two ideas to help us to get out of our hyper focus on ourselves 
and start to think about what does it look like to communicate collaboratively because communication requires multiple parties within our organizations you need the other people in order to communicate in order to pursue you can't pursue a shared vision by yourself you need other people to be able to share in a vision together and that's ultimately what you want you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself you want to be part of a meaningful organization You want to be part of helping to build and contribute to a healthy organizational culture. And in order to do that, you need to be heard, but you also need to hear. And so we need to pursue those things in equal measure, not one over the other. And all of this is difficult. But, you know, my challenge to all of you is to try to implement some of these basic building blocks of communication in your lives, in your organizations, your relationships, your workplaces, your friendships. Uh, Start with listening. Start with uh, how do I hear people better? Um, Because the irony is that the better you are as a listener, the more effective you're going to be as a communicator. The more people see that you care what they have to say, the more they're going to care about what you have to say. So the more that you learn to hear well, the better you're going to be at being heard. Uh, Again, truth is an exercise in community. It is too big for any one of us to carry on our own. So how can you express the truth as you perceive it? But how can you also approach with humility uh, conversation and communication with others to learn about the truth as they are seeing it, as they're perceiving it, and to try to synergize together a truth that's bigger than the two of you, bigger than the organization, bigger than the group, bigger than the meeting, because you've worked these things out and you've tried to figure out what it looks like to share truth and share vision together. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.